Hi, I'm Dr. Walt Whitley with Dry Eye Coach Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Today, our topic will be a conversation with innovators in the dry eye space. Our guests include three key industry executives from small, innovative companies focused on dry eye. Our first guest is Zach Denning, Director, Scientific and Professional Affairs at Science-Based Health. Dr. Tim Trin, an optometrist and founder and CEO of Box Medical, and Dr. Peter Pham, who's a board-certified ophthalmologist, researcher, innovator, and entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of Zocular. Guys, thanks for joining us today. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a conversation, and I'm just going to ask you all a whole bunch of questions. We all know each other very well, but we want to hear your story, and how did you get to this innovative space, and how did you get your product to this space? But that's what we want to know is tell us more. And so, Zach, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell us how you got started working in dry eye? Uh, absolutely. Um, well, I've had the privilege of having been in dry eye before many people were. Um, so Science-Based Health was started in 1997. It's the first eye supplement company. Uh, I joined the company in 1999, and a year later, we launched the first dry eye supplement, uh, specifically formulated for dry eye, on the market. Um, and this was even before there were many uh, options available. Uh, Restasis, I think, came out in 2003 or so. Um, and so in those early days, there were very few dry eye options out there, and patients were desperate, and not it was not being recognized by doctors. There just weren't a lot of tools. Um, so uh, we've had the privilege of watching sort of the options for treating dry eye grow. In 2013, um, Hydra was validated by uh, a clinical trial that, that you all were involved in um, that showed that, you know, a supplement can actually have, you know, a, a measurable effect on dry eye. Um, and Hydra uses a unique omega called GLA that's not found in the diet or fish or flax but um, is a precursor to a specific prostaglandin that stimulates tear production and reduces inflammation. And so we've had sort of a real scientific approach to this, and it's been really cool just to see, and I think a lot of people just didn't appreciate how big of a problem dry I was at the beginning, but we'd have patients coming to us and saying, you know, like, you changed my life, you know, and and um, just, just seeing that sort of overwhelming um, response, you know, really kind of let us know that we were – we were addressing a, a need out there. Um, and so it's been really kind of a privilege to kind of be in from the beginning and absorb dry by osmosis and, and watch the whole, you know, kind of progression of this, of this space. So, um, you know, that's, that's really, you know, that's really how I came to dry eye. It's been, it's been a, a great journey. And you have a lot of options at science-based health. You all have a lot of different nutraceuticals. And so, it seems like you love hydro eye. Is there a reason why you love the dry eye space more than others? Or am I just well, making that up? <laughs> no, that, no. I mean, I, I, I do have a passion for dry eye. And, and one reason why it's an exciting place for nutrition is, is that in many ways, nutrition is often something that, that happens uh, sort of silently in the background over a long period of time, and you may never notice it, even, even if it's having benefits um, such as for for AMD or for glaucoma, you know, or something like that. You know, you don't feel your visual field um, shrinking, um, you know, but 
you know, but you notice when your eyes are dry. And so one thing that's kind of cool about dry eye and nutrition is you can actually provide something to somebody where they feel better in a, in a certain amount of time. And if people stop taking it, they'll notice they feel worse. And so you actually get direct feedback. And so, you know, I think that's part of it. And the other part of it for me is that, I mean, I'm a, a dry eye patient myself now. You know, I use Hydry and I use, um, you know, actually Peter's, um, you know, product, uh, ZocuShield. And, um, you know, so I know now what, what a problem it is. And so I think that's, you know, helped my appreciation of it as well. Yeah. And when it comes to nutraceuticals, you know, for me, I have a lot of patients. I use a product. As you mentioned, we were involved with the research. Uh, but my patients who are on it, they, if they stop or run out, they're like, hey, I got to get more refills just because it makes that much of an impact. Uh, mm-hmm. but nutraceuticals, they are a, they're just part of the foundation of dry eye treatment that mm-hmm. along with prescribing a tear, prescribing an anti-inflammatory, taking care of yeah. the lids. And we'll talk, uh, we'll talk with Peter here, uh, shortly, uh, but also the, my, my bombing glands and addressing that. So, so thanks for sharing that there, Zach. Tim, yeah. how'd you get started in working in dry eye? Or Peter? If Peter, if you want to go first, how'd you get started? Uh, yeah, tell us sure. more about Zocular and how you got into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, basically, I myself, like Zach had mentioned, yeah, we, dry eyes are a really common disease, and I think all of us have dry eyes, including myself, and that was what really motivated me, motivated me at first to do something about my dry eye, because I had tried a lot of things that were available uh, for my eyes, and I didn't find them too helpful in my case. And so I thought to myself, well, is there another way uh, to, to try to address this? Because we know that dry eye at its root is an inflammatory disorder. And our you know, arsenal for inflammation control was fairly limited mm-hmm. when I started um, with uh, cyclosporin and the, the NSAIDs and the um, uh, steroids and, the, of course, the nutritional supplements such as science-based health hydrides. So I thought to myself, you know, there's this whole new class of polysaccharides that have been shown uh, great promise in the literature to actually address inflammation. And so I, and what I wanted to do was to use an okra polysaccharide as a model. And, you know, when we first tried it, I worked with a lab, and it was a mess. It didn't work. And so it, it started off, I mixed up a whole bunch of different formulations, and almost all of them didn't work. And then one day, I had one formulation I brought to clinic, and I asked my staff, I usually ask my staff to try this, and I, and, and then uh, this one staff said, you know what, Dr. Pham, I don't have dry eye. I go, well, I don't know, it's just, but you got something on your forehead, just try it on this. And she had a seborrheic uh, dermatitis on her forehead. Mm-hmm. And then she came back the next day and she said, you know what, this thing is almost gone. The, uh, the irritation and itchiness is almost gone. I go, oh, mm-hmm. there's that inflammatory uh, effect that we were looking for. And so that was the formulation that we put into production for Zocular. And, mm-hmm. uh, and ever since then, that's what, what, how we developed there. And so it's basically uh, serendipity and need is how we got started. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that, that, that's awesome. And, you know, the, uh, the, the product that you have, it speaks for itself. And, you know, we different chat rooms or different social media platforms, we're, we're hearing the, everybody's experience. And, uh, and so you def, definitely do have something there. Uh, Tim, yeah, how did you get started uh, in this space? Long, long uh, time ago, five years, is uh, wanted to kind of get into the dry ice space. And, uh, you know, I just really was looking at the root cause of dry ice. And, uh, you know, as you know, MGD is being one of the major components of dry ice. Um, the challenge for us was trying to image and determine which patients were actually going to respond with in-office therapy. 
mm-hmm. um, at the time too, the technology that was available was just a little bit, you know, financially out of reach and really didn't really meet the form factors we were looking for. And so, you know, sat down with a, uh, a colleague who's a, a husband that's actually an engineer and he was re- working for Ring Doorbell at the time and was able to pull out some articles about my biography and kind of learn a little bit about it and ask him, it's like, hey, you know, do you think you can kind of create this technology and uh, create it in a way that it's, uh, you know, portable and the one that's a little bit more affordable for doctors? And so, you know, the two of us got to tinkering and just kind of in our spare time. And then what started off as a small project ended up being a big endeavor. He quit his job at Ring Doorbell, kind of took it on full time. And uh, when we actually created our final prototype, we posted a few photos on uh, Scott Schachter's uh, OS doc. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, the response was great. Like, we were able to get uh, thoughts or like, you know, where'd you get this from? And so we found that there was really a need and decided to take it to the next level, which was commercialization. And I'll tell you, there were a lot of challenges along the way, but uh, it's been a fun journey. And five years later, we've been able to kind of help out about 200 docs so far. So it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. So how do you split your time? I mean, you're still practicing and seeing patients, but then you have this, uh, this your, your company here. Yeah. How do you have time? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, well, I have two practices and it's like, you know, basically the company too. But I think a lot of it comes down to is like building a solid team and trusting your team. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, the creation of our product is designed in such a way that it really requires uh, the least amount of maintenance. Because everything's cloud-based, um, the IT component really uh, isn't really going to be an issue for a lot of doctors. Uh, for my office, you know, I have a team that really runs everything and is uh, able to kind of allow me to kind of have confidence in that uh, you can see patients and then at the same time manage this company too. So it's really yeah. like, you know, it requires like, like a whole community to kind of get this thing going. Yeah. Peter, how do you have time? Because you're still yeah, seeing think- patients as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I think Tim really hit on the head there. It really does take an, a team effort to do any of this here. Um, and so building that team is, is so important. And for myself, I've had to cut down a clinic quite a bit just to work on Zockler. And I also started another uh, company with, another, with a, a friend of mine in the online uh, uh, testing space. And so it's been, it's been really fun and exciting for me. And I, I love doing this sort of entrepreneurial kind of work. And so it's, it's been good. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, I got another question for you all. Uh, what is your perspective on the current state of the dry eye market or in eye care? And uh, how how does each of your respective companies uh, fit in? And I'll let you go first there, Peter. Um, yes. So, you know, dry eye is a really complex topic there. And it's, and it's no no company can do it all. And, you know, it's, it's, we always have to work as a team like any other company. And any treatment regimen, I think, requires a whole a complement of products, procedures, and technology, uh, where you need both the diagnostic, you need the in-office procedure, you need the at-home maintenance therapy, and you need all of that in your full complement and arsenal of treatment uh, options there. And so I think what the nice thing about Zocla is that we're able to uh, provide both a in-office and an at-home treatment to fulfill that need there. Um, and the key differentiating characteristic for our product is that it does provide patients with that immediate result that they can actually feel. So if they were to undergo an in-office treatment with the ZEST procedure, which is an in-office lid similar to BLEFX, 
Mm-hmm. In almost all the cases that uh, have it done, the patients feel a dramatic improvement in the symptomatic score where you're talking OSDI or speed uh, mm-hmm. within about 10 to 15 minutes of procedure. And we have now have studies to show that even with one treatment, it lasts for at least a month and, and, and more, obviously, if you have an ongoing um, daily treatment along with it. Mm-hmm. So... You know, one of the questions, because you definitely did, uh, you know, find a, a place with, with your okra-based uh, uh, treatments in, in Zocular. You know, so how do you, when someone asks, you know, why should I go with this versus something with one of these cleansers with tea tree oil, uh, what, what is your response to that, and what, uh, what, what data do you share with them? Um, so the, the data I like to show with them is that, you know, Everything works. Uh, the tea tree works great uh, on dry. It's been shown to be highly effective against both as an antimicrobial and against uh, Demodex there. Um, but it does have its uh, uh, irritation effect there, whereas with Zocular, there's a, m- a much less uh, irritation effects from it. And so there's that compliance issue that I always stress there. It's always easier to use a product which doesn't have uh, the uh, issues with um, pain or discomfort and just to use something that obviously has a little bit more of it there. Um, and the, thir- the second thing is that we do feel like it does have uh, a lot more of the anti-inflammatory potential than uh, some other products uh, in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where our niche is. Yeah. And, you know, you did mention the in-office treatment as well as the at-home, and that is definitely a key. You also mentioned compliance. And that's one of the biggest barriers, whether it's dry eye, glaucoma, whatever the, whatever the condition may be. Hey, Tim, is that somewhere where your, your company comes in? Uh, uh, can you help with compliance and education and diagnosis? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, um, you think about how you talk to your glaucoma patients, right? You tell mm-hmm. them you have a silent disease that's causing you tunnel vision and loss of vision every day or that's, that it's not treated. But until you actually show them, hard evidence like a visual field or scans of OCTs of their nerve head or lots of nerve fiber layer, they're not really going to get it. And so, you know, if you're going to recommend nutraceuticals like science-based health or, you know, recommend in-office therapies, things to kind of remove obstruction that might damage my bone glands, they aren't going to understand it until you actually start imaging them. So Mm -hmm. as a doctor, it's like, you know, I've been able to kind of see the impact of it directly in terms of educating patients because... You know, when you show them the images of their myobomian glands and let them know, like, look, you know, long-term wise, this is like what can happen. You know, you can have loss of the glands or shortening of the glands because of obstruction. It's like ca- having cavities inside your teeth, right? Like, you know, sometimes you may be asymptomatic, but once you start seeing those x-rays or seeing those images where you have loss structurally, the dry eye condition is no longer just a symptomatic issue. It's a, you know, anatom- it has anatomical, com- uh, you know, implications. So, you know, education is a big, big key in, in what we're, we're, we're doing for. Yeah, and you're telling Mrs. Smith, this concerns me. Look at these little nubbins you have on your eyes, and this is why we need to, you know, you, to do the various treatments and prescribe the various nutraceuticals, and, and this is why we, we do what we do. Can you, can you uh, talk about, you know, where your company fits in, especially in the, in the mybography space? And diagnostics, because there are other you know products out there, and you know what what is your differentiator within uh, within this space? Yeah, I think for us, it's really more like implementation. Like, there's a lot of great technologies out there, and you know I think they're all fantastic. It really mm-hmm. comes down to for us, it's accessibility. 
So accessibility comes in the form of the doctor being able to bring in the technology. So we are priced fairly low to be able to kind of decrease that barrier of entry. But secondarily, it's also uh, clinic flow. So if you have a uh, centralized testing room where your myobographer sits all day, um, if it's sharing equipment, uh, you know, sharing space with other equipment, it may not be as easily accessible by your, your technician to run the testing when you want it. So with our device being portable, you can bring it room to room and just drop it into the float lamp and image any patient. So essentially, every single one of your exam lanes becomes a dry eye imaging room. And, you know, and because of our cloud-based elements, too, like, we're aiming to create new technologies um, that are off on the horizon to really help uh, improve your patient communication tools as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, that's great. Uh, Zach? What about you? You know, what is your perspective on the current state of the dry eye market and, and where does uh, science-based health fit in? Well, the way I see it, I think there's some, there's, we're starting to get some depth in terms of the, the number of dry eye treatments and, and, and diagnostics available. There's sort of a renaissance of new technologies, but we don't really have the breadth. Like it's not reaching most practitioners, right? I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but my just sort of off the, off the top of my head guess would be that maybe 80% uh, or more practitioners are doing very little for dry eye and some of them doing almost nothing. Um, maybe recommending an artificial tear and, and um, you know, maybe writing a Zydra script or a Riscasa script or something like that. But, you know, there's most people aren't really addressing it in a, in a serious way, most practitioners. And so I think there's a lot of room for, for bringing technologies that are accessible you know, to, to get more people, more eye care practitioners seriously addressing dry eye and, and really getting into it without a lot of financial barrier, without insurance hassles, without, um, you know, all these things that, you know, become sort of barrier to, to entry. Um, and so one thing that I think is kind of cool, um, I think sort of Peter sort of alluded to the fact that there's, there's not a silver bullet in, in dry eye. There's not like one thing you can do, either as a diagnostic or as a treatment. Um, but I like that all these, um, you know, all these technologies we have, we're talking about today, they're all very accessible um, and they're very simple and you can bring them into your office pretty easily. Patients can, can understand them or, or um, see the results of them, you know, really quickly and, and readily. Um, and so I think that we all sort of have in common sort of being able to kind of hopefully start to make inroads on, on trying to get more eye care practitioners on board and trying to address more patients with a lot of, without a lot of barriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we've all talked about this before is, you know, how do we address, this, address our patients and what a huge opportunity we have. I mean, 30 million Americans, only half are diagnosed, only less than 10% or only about 10% are getting a, a prescription treatment option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we know mm-hmm. that it takes multiple approaches to fully address our patients. And then, you know, is it more the passive dry eye? Here's an artificial tear or try these 12 artificial tears or, Hey, Mrs. Smith, this is your dry eye disease. This is my bombing gland dysfunction. This is your blepharitis. And this is what we, what we need to treat. So being more proactive uh, versus, mm-hmm. versus reactive. And so uh, mm-hmm. definitely lots of opportunities uh, for, for us to, to grow, but then also looking at, you know, there's just the changing, changing dynamics within healthcare and looking at insurance-based uh, services versus cash-based services. First, all about the patient, making sure patient care comes first. But, you know, right. this is something where dry eye can definitely uh, fit in. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So uh, next question I have for you all, what gaps do you see? And you kind of started off with this uh, just recently there, Zach, uh, with your Mm -hmm. last response. What what gaps do you see in the dry diagnosis and treatment? And how is your company Mm -hmm. working to address these through innovation? Well, I think that our, our, you know, our understanding of dry eye has really changed, right? Because it used to be all about sort of this binary choice of, you know, um, you know, uh, aqueous deficient or, or evaporative dry eye. And it was just this sort of either or equation. And, and now like with DUES 2, you know, we've, we started to kind of have a more nuanced understanding that it's sort of this vicious cycle. There's many sort of on ramps to get the, you know, into that cycle. Um, but it involves other things that we hadn't been addressing before, like, you know, uh, effects of hyperosmolarity, uh, nerve dysfunction, and anything that can sort of disrupt the homeostasis of the lacrimal functional unit. And so, um, you know, one thing that's been really exciting for us is that we're continuing to push research uh, forward. We have new research going on right now and all the time. And continuing to look at, you know, sort of new nutrients that that actually may kind of address some of those areas as well. So that's definitely something we're actively looking at. We always, you know, kind of update our formulas as new research comes out, and that's something we're going to continue to do. Oh, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Peter, Tim, uh, what gaps do you all see in the diagnosis and treatment uh, of dry eye, and uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think Zach really kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, as, as we all know, dry is a huge problem in the community. A lot of people have it, and they just suffer through it because they've tried, like you said there, well, a dozen artificial tears, and it hasn't helped, and they're reluctant to go to a dry eye doctor because they've been to five, and none of them has helped them so far, and four mm-hmm. out of five told them to try more artificial tears. But So it's more like a funnel where you have this large pool of patients who aren't doing very much for the dry eye, and as we all know, it's a progressive disease, and if we start to do just something just to slow down that progression to ward off the symptoms and the clinical progression there. I think it makes an immense difference. And that is that education and recognition there, I think that's a key missing ingredient because it doesn't take the most advanced and most complex and costly treatments in order to get patients, most patients better. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think we just have to start with that first baby step there. Yeah. Tim, yeah. anything to add? Yeah, I think, uh, Peter and Zach kind of hit on the head. I think, uh, you know, my, our, our main philosophy has always been, uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? Because it's like, you know, especially for doctors, sometimes we get all hung up on all the extremely difficult cases of dry ice that are going to require a lot of expertise and everything else to manage. But the fact of the matter is like 85% of the dry ice can be managed with simple solutions from how we uh, counsel patients about their diet. Uh, to how they ma- maintain their eye hygiene, uh, to, you know, just addressing their, you know, their meibomian gland dysfunction. And, you know, and I think a lot of it comes down to, like, you know, uh, educating patients and educating doctors that it doesn't need to have a super complex, you know, solution to be able to do that and kind of removing that barrier of uh, entry for a lot of docs that, you know, they're fearful to kind of take a plunge in this because they think it's going to require significant investment. And, uh, you know, with new developments these days, it's really, you know, you have so many tools available at hand. You can address about 85% of them with a simple slit lamp and some of the, the tools that are available um, from both Peter and, and Zach. You know, yeah. The, well, one thing that comes to mind is you just mentioned educating the patients, educating the, the providers as well. 
But what what is the role of technician? Are you all targeting the because you know with without my dry eye counselor, I'd have a tough time here at, at the practice and keeping our, our 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 clinics running in this space. I mean, are you all working closely with the technicians and educating them as well? For sure. I mean, for us, like um, you know, part of our um, our next stage of our company is really removing a lot of that educational burden off of the doctor and off of the office. Because as you know, with COVID, like time becomes such a, you know, a necessity and like you don't have a lot of it to kind of spend in the clinic anymore. So um, we're actually in the process of creating a patient portal that will allow uh, patients to be able to access these interactive elements to be able to uh, understand their conditions better. But also on top of that, be able to download resources that are provided by the doctor and uh, to kind of learn more about the technology. Because sometimes, like, you know, within a 30-minute exam, there's no way that a patient can fully grasp the complexity of the condition. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, that becomes a hurdle for the, pa- uh, for the patient to actually want to move forward with any therapy. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the keep it simple, uh, stupid part. And then I'm just thinking about that dry patient I saw earlier today that I was with them for like 25 minutes and talking about the about dry eye. I was trying to keep it simple, but, uh, you know, there's always going to be patients like that, but, but that's going to be more, that's not going to be the typical patient, uh, that, that we see. Did you, uh, Peter, Zach, did you have anything to add on that, on the education piece or technicians? Well, I, yeah, I think, I, I think I, I just, technicians are really key here because, um, you know, if you empower them. Now, I think patients a lot of times have even more of a social and uh, connection with uh, your staff than, than with the doctors. And so if, if the technicians and your staff are highly knowledgeable and motivated, I think there's a much better response from the patients and better clinical results as well. And so what we've been trying to do is, is that we've been trying to get the staff trained on how to perform the dust procedure in the office so that it takes that step out of the doctor's hand and, have, and let them do other critical uh, elements of their clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think that part of keeping it simple is making it accessible, simple enough that it can be accessible and, and doable by anyone in the, in the, in the practice. And, and not just, you know, I mean, there, there's a place for procedures that only doctors can do, obviously, but it's helpful to have approaches that, you know, that the tech can do and the tech, um, you know, can, can learn how to do. And, and I think one sort of disservice in a way that, um, you know, maybe the industry and, and maybe, um, you know, the, the medical community has, has done sort of inadvertently is I think that we've maybe made dry eye sound more intimidating than it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like it can be really, it is a complex disease, but by emphasizing so much how complex it is and also sometimes sort of emphasizing, you know, the most sort of premium or, you know, kind of high-end procedures, which are really have their place and are great. But sometimes, you know, doctors who are in the audience uh, doing CE or CME are just kind of thinking to themselves, wow, this sounds complicated and expensive, and I could never do this. Um, and so that's one thing that I think we need to change, you know, and, and make it so a tech can do it, um, you know, make it so that it's easy to bring into the practice and make it accessible to patients. And, and you know, I think that all of us here, I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, Tim, you know, the, the MyBox, the, the MX2 has been, you know, has been great because now, you know, we know that if we go into an office, and, you know, someone is, you know, is just using Hydra, they're not going to be successful. 
they need some other tools. And one of those things that they, you know, I always recommend is mybography and having a really simple, you know, modest cost mybographer that's all cloud based, um, will really help the patient's compliance, um, when they're, we're recommending Hydroi. Um, so all these things I think fit together and having these really simple solutions, um, you know, are definitely key. Yeah, and, and I think it's only going to get better, right, Zach uh, uh, and Tim, because as you get more data, especially with the MyBox there, and then you are able to uh, then hook up some AI to it, I think you can you can actually kind of remodel and uh, reposition how you analyze the uh, the data that you have and and the data yeah, you collect. Yeah, and that's it's really exciting because that's really our our long term goal is you know data acquisition for analysis, right? So. You know, if we can get hundreds of thousands of data points, then, you know, once we do analysis and the technology is available, um, we'll be able to better understand the conditions. Right? So you all are reading my mind because I was going to be, hey, guys, this is my last question. Hey, so, <laughs> so just keep on that. What does the future hold? You know, what's the next innovation? Tim, keep chatting because you're, you're already chatting. I just interrupted. No, no, no. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, we look at where medicine's going right now, right? And we look at the role that artificial intelligence is playing in it. And, you know, the problem with mybography right now is we don't fully understand its role um, in the immediate symptomatology for dry eyes. For example, you know, you can have like a pretty decent mybomian gland uh, structure mybographically, but, um, you know, you can still have symptomatic uh, pathology, right? And so for us, you know, we want to start closing that gap and bridging it and a lot of it comes down to, like, you know, just from, you know, anecdotal and personal, like, uh, treatments of patients, we find that that comes down from, like, you know, expression quality, you know, uh, other external factors as well. But the mybography element, we've also seen changes in patients like Accutane or taking, like, Accutane, where, um, you know, my mybomian gland dysfunction just happens almost immediately. So, you know, what is, what, what are the elements that we want to look at myobography? Um, and, and long-term wise, like, you know, how are we going to use it most effectively in clinical diagnosis? Um, right now, I think it's just, you know, the early stages. So it's a lot of data acquisition. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Peter, where do you think we're going? What's the future hold? Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, dry eye and just eye, uh, the eye itself, right? It's basically can be a, a paradigm for a lot of other, disease processes too, right? Because we know that it's inflammation that underlies almost every uh, disease process where you're talking about heart attacks, strokes, uh, ulcers in the mouth, et cetera there. And so what we like to do with Zocler is to use what we've learned in the dry eye space then to take that knowledge and experience them to try to help other uh, industries and specialties uh, such as uh, the um, oral uh, side of things there. So what we've noticed is that if you were to apply Zocular, especially the gel on an or ulcer, the pain and swelling basically disappears. The pain definitely disappears, and the swelling is diminished quite a bit within two or three minutes. And so that's really kind of uh, cool uh, findings that we've, uh, we're seeing there that we would like to then uh, move towards that area. Mm-hmm. Hey, Zach, what about yeah. you? You know, um, you know, any other points you want to make about you know, the dry eye space, what the future holds? Well, I think, uh, well, I think that the, you know, the dry space is constantly evolving and so is nutrition. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize how integral nutrition is, um, to dry eye and, and to the functioning of the eye. 
Um, you know, oxidative stress, for instance, um, the thing that antioxidants counteract is integral, you know, integral part of um, inflammation to cell death to, um, to hyperosmolarity. All these things involve oxidative stress. Um, and, you know, like omega metabolism, you know, every NSAID in existence um, targets the, the metabolism of a specific omega, bad omega called arachidonic acid. And so, um, you know, we think that as our understanding of dry eye continues to evolve, that, you know, as we've already seen, nutrition is going to be more and more a part of that because it's, it's sort of baked into the cake. And so we're going to continue to pursue that and to pursue, you know, sort of new, um, you know, new nutrients and, and new approaches um, to approach dry eye more comprehensively. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, it's like, you know, for uh, the nutritional element, you know, prior to starting dry eye, uh, you know, uh, our dry eye practice really didn't think it was like a, such a big role, but, um, you know, you can see how a patient's diet can really impact it. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. exciting what Zach's doing too, because, uh, we're, we're, we're using that quite a bit in our clinic as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, well, I want to thank you all for, for being on this call and sharing your insights and, you know, to how you got into the space, where you all are going within the space. So thank you, Zach, Tim, and Peter for, for sharing your thoughts and expertise with us today. And I want to thank you all for attending our podcast as well, a conversation with innovators in the dry eye space with Box Medical, uh, with Zocular, and Science Based Health. So thank you all, and, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Thanks, well. everyone. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye.